Welcome to this week's message from a new church. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our website, newchurch.nz. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this message. John 18, sorry, verse 37 and 38. This is um, what Pilate said to Jesus a little while before Jesus was going to be crucified. Pilate responded, Oh, so then you are a king? You are right, Jesus said. I was born a king, and I have come into this world to prove what truth really is. And everyone who loves the truth will receive my words. Pilate looked at Jesus and said, What is truth? A question that we are going to ask this morning. What is truth? What is truth? What is it really? Is it findable? Is it knowable? What happens when we know the truth? What is the big deal about truth? And uh, we're living in a time actually that this is more important than ever. I've been doing a a bit of research. Do you know that we are now living in what is being described as a post-truth era? And that was like the Oxford Dictionary's word of the year. A few years ago, they actually made that word and it was popular then and we're pretty much living in it now, an era where people prefer fiction over facts and reality. Even when faced with a stark reality and truth of of the situation, people now are suppressing the truth as a society, pushing it away and preferring something that is fictional. We are now in a post-truth era. I love this article. This guy wrote this, um, and it's a secular article. He says, We arrived in a post-truth era when alternative facts replace actual facts and feelings have more weight than evidence. Truth is at risk. We are in danger of losing sight of what truth means. And if you wanted any proof whatsoever that we are now living in a post-truth society, Just have a look at New Zealand's Olympic weightlifting team. And I'm just going to call it this morning. You know that story about the emperor's new clothes? Uh, And the emperor, uh, con artist came to the emperor and said, these are amazing clothes, only fools can uh, not see them. And he didn't want to be a fool, so he said, man, they're amazing. So he had his parade. He was wandering around in front of everyone, stark naked. Everyone could see his butt. Um, And everyone was too afraid to say anything because they were scared of being ridiculed as being fools, except for one very intelligent young boy. Look, he's naked. And everyone realized what time they were living in. It was ridiculous. And interesting, in a side story, uh, there is a sculptor that created, and inv- this is a true story, invis- all, everything I say is true, by the way, invisible <laughs> sculpture. And he had like no sculpture there. It was just called the invisible sculpture. Uh, and it's like, you know, it sold for over $18,000 US. True story. What is more crazy, someone is now suing him because they said that he ripped off their idea. <laughs> we are living in a post-truth era. What is absolute truth? Does absolute truth exist? Absolute truth is something that is absolutely true for all circumstances, cultures, eras, and individuals. To say there are no absolutes is to say there are no independent universal truths. All truths are therefore dependent. So that that phrase, there are no absolute truths, that in itself is an absolute statement. So the whole thing just doesn't work at all. But the truth is now that It's not based on reality. It's just based on um, 
things other than fact, fact and, and truth is no longer a priority for the masses. Again, another um, highlight of this is O.J. Simpson's trial a few years ago now, but the, his defense knew that there is no way they would get O.J. Simpson free based on the facts and based on the evidence. The evidence and facts were completely overwhelming um, that he was guilty. So they knew they couldn't actually defend O.J. based on facts, so they came up with another plan as, as a defense team that they would tell a better story, that they would woo the jury based on emotions, and guess what? The jury bought it. He walked free, and I think that is I think, indicative of us as a society now. We're throwing truth and facts and reality and absolutes away. So what is the big deal with knowing the truth anyway? Does it really matter in life? John 8, 31 to 32, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That is an incredible statement. You will know the truth. The truth is knowable. And when we know the truth, it will set us truly free. I read another article this week saying that in the last, uh, Americans uh, have never been as unhappy as they are today. And when you think about it, we're living in a time right now, this generation, we've never been more depressed We've never been more suicidal. We've never been more sad. We've never been more um, addicted. We've never had more disorders than today. So we need desperately to find freedom. If freedom is attainable and knowable, we should make that our life pursuit. Knowing the truth, knowing that it will set us free, carrying the truth, demonstrating the truth, because we know that this world can be free also. And man, they need to be set free. So if you'd like to go on a journey with me this morning, we're gonna go on an adventure and see if we can find some truth in, in different things that we hold dear in society. First one, finding truth in education. Now I remember looking at a, uh, an encyclopedia when I was young, because we had them back in the old days when people actually had real encyclopedias. And looking at the, the, the theory of evolution and how, you know, over millions of years, monkeys became people. And I always remember, even from a little boy, how does this fit in with, with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? Went to school. And again, we were taught that we came from apes and then going to the library because I loved going to the library. Still love going to the library, looking at all the science books. And then again, it's like, where's Adam and Eve in this? I I'm, I'm, was a monkey and now I'm Simon. And uh, even going into media and movies, we, we are taught this all the time. We, we have to remember that the theory of revolu evolution is only just a theory. But we're not really taught that it's a theory anymore. So evolution, in a nutshell, hundreds of millions, billions of years ago, there was an explosion in space. It was pretty loud, so people came up with the name the Big Bang. And it was just, it was a mistake. It was never meant to happen. Uh, all these planets and solar systems and, and galaxies happened because of the Big Bang. No galaxies were meant to be there. No planets were never meant to be there. It was just a product of a big mistake. It was never meant to happen. There was one uh, solar system called the Milky Way, sorry, Milky Way Galaxy, and then there was our solar system, but our solar system was never meant to be there. That was just a, a product of uh, a big mistake. 
And for whatever reason, there was this incredible planet called Earth, and that was never meant to be there. That was just a mistake, and it was just so far away from the the sun to to maintain life, and it was just so tilted on its axis that it could produce life, but it was never meant to be that far away from the sun or tilted on its axis because it was just a whole product of millions and billions of years of mistakes. And for whatever reason, this little piece of amoeba snot became alive. And life was never meant to happen because that was just a product of millions of years of of mistakes. And over millions and hundreds of millions of years, that that piece of amoeba or whatever it was became Simon Drake. And I was never meant to exist because I'm just the product of billions of years of mistakes. There is no meaning, there is no reason for me to be alive. There is no purpose for me to be in life. I don't matter at all. And if I don't matter, nothing matters at all. If you want to have a, that was the best theory of evolution description I've ever heard in my life. No wonder we've got one of the highest suicide rates in the world because people are taught they've got no purpose. They've got no meaning. That is not truth. We're not going to find truth in secular education. Uh, we are a, we, our school, uh, sorry, our church is a proprietor of our incredible Christian school. And there are things coming through the Ministry of Education that are incredibly uh, alarming. Um, there's a new booklet that uh, is called Relationships and Sexuality Education, a guide for teachers, leaders, and board of tr- boards of trustees. The New Zealand Ministry of Education is pushing this out and being quite strong that, that all board of trustees, all teachers need to implement these new thoughts and these new truths in every subject. And you can download this and read it um, if you want. But I just want to quote one line. Sex, gender, and sexuality are flexible, fluid, inclusive, non-categorical, and disrupt the privilege of heterosexuality. That's just one line in it, and that is what now as secular educational um, establishments need to be teaching and promoting. I thank God that we've got a Christian school. I thank God that that we have the freedom to be able to teach great education with a Christian world view. And we have almost every day people now that are desperately wanting to get their children into a school that teaches a Christian world view. And we're maxed out at 200 now. We can't fit anyone else. We're turning children away that desperately want to come into a Christian worldview school. The cool thing is we've got the ability um, to be able to have 240 students if we have the buildings. We haven't got the buildings. We haven't got the money for extra teaching space. We need about $2 million. So if you are a millionaire in this place this morning, if you know mates that are wealthy, if you're watching this, and if you're Justin Bieber or Bill Gates or something, if you want to put your money into something that is of eternal value that will literally impact the next generation for good. We need your money. We really do. Please just give us all your money. (laughs) Won't find truth in education. What about finding truth in feelings? Can we trust our feelings? Our hormones change our feelings. Our diet changes our feelings. Medication changes feelings. External pressures change our feelings. Mental health, stress. Aunt Irma changes our feelings. 
We can't trust our feelings. Our feelings are just like this. And yesterday for about 10 minutes, I wanted to resign. And sometimes people just have a bad day. And I know you're the same. You know, we all have bad days. But that was just a feeling. That was just an emotion. We can't and we shouldn't be led by our emotions and our feelings because they lie. We can't trust them. And David in the Bible, man, his, his emotions were up and down. Uh, Psalm 42.5, he said this. So he had learned something. That it was his spirit that should be leading his feelings, not his feelings leading his spirit. He said, why my soul are you downcast? Soul is like his mind, his emotions, his feelings. Why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise Him, my Saviour and my God. Even as Christians, so often we can be susceptible to be led and to trust our feelings. When we cannot trust and find truth in our feelings, man, they're up and down. What about finding truth in media? In the printed word, in the digital word, and things that we see, things that we hear, things that influence us all the time. There's a study, uh, a social experiment undertaken by New York University. They got 60 people, uh, to, one by one, to come into an office, and they were... Uh, told like 10 sentences and they needed to like rearrange the words and maybe take a word out uh, to make an intelligent sentence. And then they had video cameras film these people. Once they had finished, uh, once they left the offices, they uh, did this for 60 people. I'm not going to read all 10 of the sentences, but I'm just going to read three, the first three. Number one, shoes give replace old the. The second one, should not withdraw forgetful we. Third one, sunlight makes temperature wrinkle raisins. So it's just a, a smattering of uh, the experiment and they just worked it out and then they left uh, and they videoed and they watched the differences between when these people went in the office and when they went out. You know, when, when they went out, every single person physically acted older. They walked slower. They talked slower. They were walking a little bit hunched over. Everything about them looked like 20, 30 years older. Why? Have a look at some of the words that are in these sentences. The first one, old, forgetful, wrinkle. In every single one of those sentences, there was an old that, uh, there was a word that we relate to elderly, older people. And their subconsciousness is picked them up and it made them act old. That is the power of influence. And if, we, if they were influenced like that to actually act decades older just by hearing these words that they weren't even aware of, how much more is media impacting and affecting and influencing what we think in life? And you think, well, you know, media is no big deal. I'm aware of that, Simon. And it's great that we're aware of that. But what about looking back at the German nation uh, around the World War II era, they were, by and large, a godly Christian nation, built on Christian principles, and yet, because of the propaganda machine of the Nazi party, they were able to turn almost a whole entire nation to think that the Jewish people were, were worthless, were, were less than animals that they deserved to be killed and made extinct. Joseph Goebbels, the, the minister of propaganda for the Nazi party, he says this, if you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. There's a, a documentary called The Great Hack on Netflix, and I, I 
recommend it to everyone. Back in 2013, the information of 87 million Facebook profiles were legally gathered via the platform. You know, there's apps like, you know, look older or, you know, tell us a bit about yourself. Um, we don't know half the time that we're giving these people permission to grab all of our information, all of our friends' information, so that's what happens. And then based on that information, individuals were targeted by fake news based on their susceptibility to be influenced. And they say without any shadow of a doubt that the Brexit results and the US election and other elections in the world, because governments actually pay companies to do this for them, uh, the, the opinions of Millions of people were swayed. We weren't aware of that. This is the power of media. You won't find truth in media. What about culture? Can we find truth in, in our culture, our, our relevant culture today? Culture is the ideas, customs, social behavior of a particular group of people in society. Again, we are living in a post-truth society, which means that we prefer fiction over reality and just to get back to that thought about absolute truth again, there's an American um, survey company called Barna Group, and, and they did some huge surveying about is actually there is, is there absolute moral truth? 15% of adults with no faith said there, are, there is absolute moral truth, 15 out of 100, which is not surprising. I would have thought it would be less than that, but... The really shocking thing was practicing Christians were surveyed. So practicing Christians, people that go to church regularly, people that pray, people that read their Bible, people that tell others about Jesus, and they were asked the same question, is there absolute moral truth? Only 59% said yes. Which meant that, was it 39%? 49%? Almost half? That's even worse. Don't believe in absolute truth Anymore, So we are living in that sort of culture. No, we are blessed as a, uh, a city to have an incredible uh, Whangarei Art Museum being built called the Handewasser. Um, and you either love it or you hate it. I hate it. Uh, but I think it's good for our... Sorry, well, no, this is live. Uh, but it's good for our city uh, because it's going to increase uh, lots of visitors and stuff. And that's great. Uh, but I was... Look, I was... Interested at Handewasser, the guy, Friedensweig Handewasser, uh, and, and what he thought about it, because you look at it and there's not a lot of straight lines. You know, if you're perfectionist, if you like straight lines, you look at that and you just hate it. Your OCD goes crazy. It's like you want to make it straight again. He used to do a lot of speeches in the nude, for whatever reason, in the 70s, talking about the evils of straight lines. So that was his passion. <laughs> he hated straight lines. But I can guarantee you that that incredible building has been built on a level foundation because you just can't build safe buildings if they haven't got a level foundation. And the main reason why every one of our buildings now, and we've got a building code, has to be built on a level foundation because if you haven't got a level foundation, if things aren't straight, then they are susceptible to being weak and not being stable. And, and the bigger the structure, if things aren't square and level, uh, that is, could possibly come down like a house of cards. You absolutely need a level foundation, a firm foundation. Everything depends upon it. And again, as a society, perhaps we are a society now that no longer likes straight lines. And we think it's cool not to have straight lines. And we, we, we forget that our whole society could possibly run the risk of coming down like a house of cards. 
We can't trust culture. What about personal truth? What about carrying our own truth? I have uh, my interpretation of my own truth and it's true for me, but it's not true for you and I don't really care about what your truth is. You can carry around your own truth, but I have my own uh, personal truth and it's mine and I understand things from my personal truth. It's my own personal truth and it's true. Is personal tr- Can we find truth in personal tr- truth? Acts 16.27, this is uh, when Paul and Silas were in jail. They were praying. God rescued them. He, He blew all the doors open. And it says in verse 27, the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. So at that point in time, the jailer's truth was that all the prisoners were escaped. That was his truth. That was his perception. But we can absolutely know that his truth wasn't the real truth. The real truth was that all the prisoners were there, but he was carrying around his own personal truth, believing that the prisoners had escaped. In 1999, there was a newspaper article, and I remember preaching about it way back then to the youth because I thought it was so funny. Uh, And it was America. In America, they have these canisters of cookie dough, apparently. And uh, this lady had had one in the back of her car. It had been there for some hours. It was a hot day. And she jumped back into her car and she heard an explosion uh, in the back of the car. She thought she had been shot, but it was just that the cookie dough had exploded in the heat. And she heard this explosion, thought it was a gunshot, and she felt the back of her head because there was cookie dough in the back of her head. She thought it was her brain. Uh, She had been shot in the head and her brains were coming out. So she was screaming and and freaking out as you would, and people came running to see what she'd done. And she was saying, I've been shot, I'm holding my brains in. That was her truth. The truth was it was just cookie dough in the back of her head, and she was looking rather silly. Her personal truth wasn't the truth. We can't carry our truth around by ourselves and have our own separate interpretation of truth. We will never find our way through life like that. We cannot navigate our way through life if we depend on our own personal truth. And I'll tell you why. We must have a fixed point of reference to be able to navigate our way safely through the world. And people have been doing these this for thousands of years, going across oceans uh, and navigating because of the stars. And you say, well, stars move, Simon. Well, they don't move. We sort of move. Uh, but there's the North Star. It pretty much doesn't move. And we've got one of the stars in our Southern Cross, and that sort of doesn't move as well. So sailors know this, and they know that that is a fixed point of reference, and then they can navigate because of that. And that's what... Uh, we do a, a fixed point of reference to be able to navigate safely. It has to be two things. Number one, it cannot move. First rule of a fixed point of reference to find your way, it cannot move. And secondly, it has to be apart from you. You can't be carrying it around by yourself. Why? Because you move. You are not a fixed point of reference. The, the dangers and the absolute Silliness of my own personal truth is what I live by is because it completely contradicts all the laws of a fixed point of reference for navigation. Number one, it's connected to you, your own personal truth. And number two, you're moving around. It's, it's moving all the time. It is not truth. So we've looked at all these things this morning, trying to find truth in these areas. Education, feelings, media, culture, 
truth. I could go on this morning, but we haven't got time. Pilate asked Jesus a question, what is truth? I'd like to suggest to you that Jesus is truth. And Jesus actually answered that question, not specifically to Pilate, but a little further back in John 14, 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. What is the truth? The the better question to ask is, who is the truth? And we know who the truth is. Jesus has told us, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. We know that Jesus said um, that we can know the truth and the truth will set us free. What He's saying is we can know Him and He will set us free. Is Jesus our life pursuit? And we gotta actually look at that statement that Jesus made. And really, we've only got two conclusions when you really boil it down. One, that Jesus was making an absolute statement. That what he was saying, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me is is an absolute statement. It means that actually is true throughout all of the eras of life, throughout every generation, to every individual, to all cultures, that that statement is true or that that's just a statement for certain people, which makes it not an absolute truth, which makes it no truth at all. We've got to come to that conclusion. You will know the truth. We can know Him and He will set us free. And that is relevant for all of our lives, for everyone. No one is excluded from being found or finding the truth. Jesus wants to be found by us. He is so findable and He's given us this incredible promise. The truth will set you free. I will set you free from all of your brokenness, from all of your addiction, from all of your sin, from all of your disappointment. (laughs) That should be our life pursuit. We can find truth in Him. Isn't that exciting? How to stay in truth once we've understood that. And if you're here this morning and if you've you don't know truth, you've never given your life to Jesus. And he's so willing, he's running to you this morning. He wants to set you free. And he has the absolute power to set you free. But how can we stay in this truth now in this crazy mixed up world that the, the goalposts are not just changing, it's like the whole field's changing these days. I think it's as simple as Acts 2.42. This is how the early church lived. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. The believers devoted themselves, or the the believers committed, they, they joined themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. I really do think, how do we stay in truth? It is that simple. Let's have a look at the first one. The apostles' teaching, which is the Bible, it is living and it is active. Having a look at the interpretation of the early church fathers and not just taking the last 20 years 
for these people now are saying that the church fathers got it wrong for thousands of years. They don't know what we're, they're talking about, but, but we know what we're talking about now in the last 20, 20 years. How arrogant is that? The apostles teaching the Bible, living and active. I love what Shane Johnson author says. He goes, the inerrancy and trustworthiness of the Bible must be the cornerstone of our faith. For it is the one true rock to which we moor our witness as we struggle to live in this turbulent, ever-changing world. Truth is not determined by society or our feelings or our opinions or our desires. Truth is truth and it does not change. However we feel, whatever our perceptions, there is only one true history of the world, one true manner in which we came to be, and one true answer concerning the nature of God and of salvation. You're wanting to have a look at a fixed point of reference? It is the Bible. It does not change. So let's be committed to the apostles teaching the, the Word of God. Number two, fellowship. You know, there is safety in numbers. Predators, and I used to watch a whole lot of Our World programs when I was growing up, so I know these things. You'll have the lion, actually it's a lioness, and they're hunting some cute little gazelles or whatever. Um, they will never, ever go for the gazelle that's right in the center of the herd. These predators will never go for the ones that are surrounded by other gazelles. They will always go for the gazelle that has isolated itself or is away from the herd or is on the, on the fringes of the herd. If we wanna stay in truth, let's be one of those gazelles that are right in the middle and have so many other gazelles surrounding us. I don't know, I've said this before, I know I'm a Lord of the Rings fan. But if you ever actually want to have a really good definition of what true fellowship is, watch the Fellowship of the Ring. There's a band of guys, and they're from all different walks of life, but they gather together for one common purpose, to see the ring destroyed. And they give their lives for that cause. That's what the early church was. They were the fellowship of Jesus. They joined together. They had each other's backs. They were so committed that they gave their lives to the cause. Are we so committed that we will give our lives to the cause? The Lord's Supper, which is communion, the absolute truth of the cross. The cross is absolute truth, by the way. That Jesus died on the cross. He was qualified to take all of our sins, all of our shame upon him. And he handled it because he was God. So that we could go free. He took our sins upon him so that we didn't have to be punished, so that we didn't have to go to hell, so that we could have our sins washed away. And that's what communion uh, represents, the blood spilt, so that our sins are washed away. Isn't that amazing? That is an absolute truth. We celebrate that and remember it every time we have communion. And the bread represents his body that was broken for our brokenness. We can be made whole. We can be truly whole because of what Jesus has done. That is absolute truth. So I get excited about communion. So this is what the early church did, how they were passionate, how they stayed in truth, how they were not deceived. Absolute, sorry, apostles teaching, fellowship, Lord's Supper, and for prayer. Personal time with God, personal daily time with God, being totally true and real and honest with God, having that close bond with Him, 
to the extent that we can come to God and we can cry out, Jesus, search me and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. Point out if there is anything offensive within me and lead me onto the road everlasting. We can have that relationship with Him and we can speak and talk and cry and laugh. And that's how the early church stayed in truth. The unchanging truths of the Bible, they got involved in community, fellowship. They had the truth of the cross celebrated in a huge part of their everyday lives. And they had a close relationship with God. Thanks so much for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. To contact us or to find out what's happening at our church, please check out our website, renewchurch.nz.com.